This is Clinical Pearls. Man, I've said it before, medicine moves so fast. I mean, I just figured out the pap smear guidelines. And of course, something comes along to change everything. Now, the good news is that medicine keeps changing because the data keeps changing. But the bad news is you always have to stay on your toes. That's the whole reason we're doing this podcast, to keep everyone up to date, including myself, on these changes that happen, not just in obstetrics, but obviously in gynecology. In this podcast, we're going to cover the recently released JAMA Insights on Women's Health that is covering the new management guidelines for minimally abnormal pap smears. So let's lay out a foundation here. We're not talking about those that are high-grade abnormal. Pap smears that have come out high-grade abnormal still need the specified follow-up based on age and evaluation or treatment, again, that is age-appropriate. But there's new guidelines from JAMA Insights out of the pap smear consensus group that have now changed how we manage minimally abnormal paps. Minimally abnormal paps include things like normal cytology but HPV positive or those pesky ASCUS pap smear results or even low-grade abnormalities based on a HPV triage algorithm. So we're going to cover this again. Again, this is from JAMA Insights, just released about two weeks ago from the pap smear consensus working group that has now offered a new algorithm on how to manage, regardless of age, these minimally abnormal pap smear results, focusing on the importance of persistent HPV infection to guide care. So that's it in a nutshell, guys. While in the past we focused on cytology, the end result of HPV, the working group now has confirmed and reestablishes the fact that persistent HPV should actually be the thing that we're following. So keep that in mind. So let's get into the new management algorithm of minimally abnormal cervical cancer screening test results. In April 2020, 19 organizations released consensus guidelines that formalized a strategy for management of cervical cancer screening test results using a framework based on estimates of underlying high-grade precancerous lesions called CIN3 or worse. Estimates were derived from screening outcomes observed in more than 1.5 million individuals that were aged 25 to 65 and who were enrolled in a prepaid health plan. Now, in this population, again, about 1.5 million individuals, about 90% of the test results were normal and only about 0.75% were severely abnormal again, defined as CIN3 or worse. The remainder were minimally abnormal results. Again, the remainder, so almost 9%, showed a minimally abnormal result. These included a high-risk HPV-positive test with either normal cytology, ASCUS, or low-grade squamous intraepithelial lesion. This is the focus of this podcast. Remember, this is for those that are minimally abnormal, not high-risk pap smear results that still require detailed age-appropriate evaluation or age-appropriate treatment. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're going to do this in rapid progression, so get ready. We're going to cover, again, the minimally abnormal cytology results or when it's high-risk HPV positive alone. In other words, if somebody's doing high-risk HPV screening without cytology, we're going to cover that as well. But focusing on the minimally abnormal cytology results, there's three categories here. Those that actually have normal cytology but are found to be high-risk HPV positive, we'll walk down that algorithm or those PAPs that are ask us and then defaults to an HPV algorithm, whether we know the high-risk HPV result or not. We'll talk about that. And then the third category is the low-grade squamous intraepithelial lesion category. So remember, normal PAP, but high-risk positive. Ask us with or without HPV typing. And then the low-grade SIL pap smear with or without HPV. So that's our focus of our podcast that we're launching into right now. The first category is normal pap smear results. That's normal cytology, but with high-risk HPV-positive status. Now remember that this working group looked at women starting at age 25. So this is actually or technically not applicable to women in the 21 to 25-year age group, which is considered a special population by the college and the ASCCP. In women who are between 25 and 65, who the working group actually assessed, who have a negative pap smear, but high-risk HPV-positive status, the next thing to evaluate is whether that high-risk HPV has been genotyped. In these women, again, normal cytology, but high-risk HPV-positive, who are found to have 16 or 18 present, then those women go straight to colposcopy. If, however, this group of women, again, normal cytology but high-risk positive, do not have genotyping so that the 16 or 18 is unknown, or if 16 or 18 are genotyped and they're negative, in other words, not present, then the working group recommends high-risk HPV testing with or without cytology in one year. Again, the focus is now on that persistence of high-risk HPV at one year in women who have 16 or 18 unknown or whose 16 or 18 genotyping are negative. In the next category, we're talking about ASCUS pap smears. The next thing to look for is whether high-risk HPV testing was done. In women who have ASCUS but are high-risk HPV positive and who have a genotype of 16 or 18 being present, then they go straight for colposcopy. If, however, 16 or 18 are unknown or are simply not present, then the working group recommends colposcopy or they can simply have high-risk HPV testing in one year if they've never had an abnormal HPV test in the previous five. Look, I don't know about you, but I need to recap that because I get lost in all that information. 
ask us pap high risk hpv positive then it's recommended to get genotyping for 16 or 18 and if it's present go straight to copo if 16 or 18 is not present or if it's unknown then you can do copo still or simply check for high risk hpv in one year if they have not had an abnormal hpv result in the previous five now, what if their pap smear is ascus, but the HPV status is not done? HPV reflex was not performed. Well, for a pap smear that is ascus without HPV reference, then the working group recommends checking high-risk HPV with or without cytology in one year. So do you notice how that focuses on that presence of HPV rather than focusing on the cytology at follow-up? If the ASCUS pap smear result shows that the high-risk HPV is negative, then they can have high-risk HPV testing with or without pap smear in three years. So let's review that again. ASCUS pap with high-risk HPV unknown, then it's recommended to get high-risk HPV testing with or without repeat cytology at one year. But if it's ASCUS and it's high-risk HPV negative, then high-risk HPV testing can be done at three years with or without a pap smear. Now, for the final category, let's cover low-grade squamous intraepithelial lesion. For the next cytology result, it is low-grade SIL. If the high-risk HPV is positive, it is recommended to get genotyping, and if 16 or 18 are present, the patient should go straight for colposcopy. In the patient with a low-grade PAP, but who has high-risk HPV positive, but 16 or 18 are not present or are unknown, they can also proceed straight to colposcopy. Or, if they are high-risk HPV negative within the previous five years, then persistence of HPV can be checked with or without cytology in one year. Let's say that again. Low-grade PAP with high-risk HPV positive with 16 or 18 found, that goes straight to COPO. But if 16 or 18 are unknown or are negative, then while they can still go to a COPO, they can also have a repeat high-risk HPV with or without repeat PAP in one year, as long as they have not had persistence HPV in the last five years. In the patient with a low-grade PAP whose high-risk HPV was not done, the recommendation continues to recommend colposcopy. But with a low-grade PAP with high-risk HPV negative, then the working group recommended high-risk HPV testing with or without repeat cytology at one year. The last category that the working group discussed is patients who do not have a cytology result, but who defaulted to high-risk HPV screening alone. Remember that the American Cancer Society has recommended that as a working option starting at the age of 25, although ACOG recommends starting PAPs alone at the age of 21. So remember, different societies, different recommendations, because, well, why would it be the same? That'd be too easy. So again, in women who choose to have HPV screening alone without cytology, let's cover that next. Okay, so in women who do not have a cytology result but are found to be HPV high-risk positive, it's very simple. 
the working group just says, just go straight to colposcopy. Now, remember, this is not ACOG or the CDC. This is the new pap smear consensus group, and ACOG still has not commented on these new guidelines. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But in women who are cytology negative, but are found to be high-risk HPV positive, and that's regardless of being 16 or 18 positive or 16 or 18 unknown or 16 or 18 negative. In other words, it doesn't matter. The working group says high-risk HPV positive alone, just go straight to colposcopy if that is your initial screening test. Now that we've covered the major categories, there is some disclosures in this report from September the 25th, 2020 in JAMA regarding cytology quality. Risk-based management guidelines also addressed specimen quality for those who had cytology captured. When cytology was reported as unsatisfactory, the working group recommends that a repeat test should be done in two to four months, even if the high-risk HPV test was negative. In other words, if you thought enough to collect a cytology sample, you should get a cytology result. COPO is recommended after two consecutive unsatisfactory cytology test results. Now, in contrast, the absence of endocervical cells does not increase cancer risk, so that finding should not prompt additional testing. Although the numerous algorithms recommended by these new risk-based management guidelines have not been rigorously evaluated through a comparative effectiveness model, they bring substantial evidence to the clinical forefront, guiding clinical practice with increased precision but less intervention. But with precision comes complexity, so you can see how difficult these different scenarios will go. That's why the working group stated that there will be a freely accessible interactive website with these algorithms available soon. And finally, ACOG, the American Cancer Society, and the ASCCP still has not officially responded to the September 25th, 2020 working group publication. I know, I know, you just finished memorizing and finally learning the last updated ASCCP pap smear guidelines and flowcharts. I mean, so did I. But this now adds more information from this pap smear working group that was released September 25th, 2020 in JAMA Insights for managing minimally abnormal cervical cancer screening tests. So they promise a new interactive algorithm-based website coming up soon. But until then, we at least have this podcast and we have online resources to guide us for whatever algorithm path you choose. Just be consistent and evidence-based. Thanks for being part of our podcast experience. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.